Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. I'm reading from uh, Psalms, <clears throat> Psalms 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountains and peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. To worship with you in the house of the Lord at Greenfield Baptist Church. I believe like coming back home again today to enjoy uh, the presence of God's people here and appreciate the invitation to come. Uh, We're always glad to come and and, uh, we enjoyed the time uh, as interim pastor here. Uh, We were spoiled, let me tell you. Wow. Uh, We... Uh, found that the interim pastor's position isn't always as easy as it was here. So, <laughs> But uh, we're learning, you know, never too old to learn. I started my ministry as interim pastor in 1972 and 73, and so I guess it's only appropriate that maybe the Lord allows me at the end of my ministry career to be interim pastor as well. And I think I'm learning just as much now as I did then or maybe more. So we're thankful for the opportunity that the Lord provides for us. We're looking at Psalms 95, and the theme is in your uh, bulletin there this morning. If we don't get to the points, they're right there uh, for you in the title of uh, what we're talking about. Perhaps as a young child or a young person, you were like me, you were introduced to God's plan in one way or another. Most of the introduction to God's plan at an early age has to do with Jesus, and we learn that Jesus loves us, and we learn the songs, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And then as we get older, we realize there's more to uh, the uh, gospel than just Jesus loves me. Uh, We learn that uh, God loves us, certainly, but he has a plan for our life and that he wants to be a part of our life. And as we grow and mature in the Lord, we come to understand what that plan might be. That plan not only involves us as individuals and how we need to react to the Lord, but the plan also is an overall plan that God has for the whole world at large and all of his people that he has created. Over the years since uh, I first heard about Jesus, I've learned that God's plan is uh, taking into all parts of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, that God's plan is revealed, first of all, in God's power that the overall plan that God has for us as revealed in the Scripture starts with the expression of God's power. And we read that in Genesis chapter 1 where God created the heavens and the earth. And we can read about how God's power was exercised in creating all of what we see around us. And as we respond to God's power and uh, see God's power evident around us in the creation, we want to respond to that God of great power. So in the first uh, of these uh, points that we want to talk about, uh, remember I mentioned before that an old uh, uh, army um, 
general or major or some guy in the service. He was an army chaplain, and he told me the best way to preach is to use a mnemonic device. And I said, what in the world is a mnemonic device? Well, mnemonic device is uh, a memory device. And so uh, preachers and writers and speakers like to use mnemonic devices because it helps us remember what we're going to say, but it also helps those of you who are listening maybe to remember more than five minutes later uh, what has been said or what you have read in a particular book. So the first point of this mnemonic device, they're all starting with P's, is God's power. God's power was displayed, as I said, through the Creator Heavenly Father, who created the world around us. And we see and understand God as first expressed through his power of creativity in the world around us and in our own life and how he has created a plan for our life. And he exercises that plan on a daily basis through the way we live out and understand his love for us. And then Jesus, our Redeemer, displayed God's power as well, didn't he? Jesus came to earth, and his very act of coming was a miracle in itself. It was the virgin birth. Jesus was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary, and he came into this world and lived his life, a life of miracles, a life of teaching, a life of great insight into what God's power was like for all of us uh, who live here in this world. And so we have those teachings Uh, written for us in God's Word, and we can understand how Jesus enacted God's power in his own life, but then also wants to enact his power in the life of all of those people that he has created. And so through his death and his resurrection, we have uh, an expression of God's power in this person of Jesus. God become flesh and dwelt among us. God, the very real God of God's came in the person of Jesus. And we have celebrated here around the Lord's table what he came to do. He came to offer himself as an offering for the sin, to pay for the sin, to take our place, our penalty for the sins of our life, so that we might receive forgiveness. God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that we might in turn receive the righteousness of God through him. What a great expression of God's power and his power to love and forgive. The examples of God's power are seen all around us, as we have said. And just any small missing part of God's creation would ruin it all. For example, you know, something that I learned as a very young person, my mother said, she said, uh, you know, if Water is one of the very few things in all of creation that expands when it gets cold. Everything else, when it gets cold, does what? Contracts. If water did not expand when it got cold, creation couldn't exist as we know it. So God made one thing different, and that allows all of creation to work together the way it does. And there's many other examples, I'm sure, that you can tell of how God's power is displayed through his creation. Jesus' power was seen in history itself. All of history was changed, and the way we date our calendars centers around that fact, that before Jesus, things were different than after Jesus, B.C. and and A.D., and we have Jesus' uh, name changing the course of history. And so, for example, uh, 
Most of the hospitals in our country were founded at one time or another by a group of Christians. There are a few public hospitals, more now than there used to be, but there are Methodist hospitals and Baptist hospitals and Catholic hospitals and Lutheran hospitals and on it goes because God's people uh, want to display God's power, healing power, in the name of Jesus in those places we call hospitals. And without Jesus, our world would be much worse because we wouldn't have many of the dozens and dozens of schools and colleges and universities that that have been uh, founded in the name of Jesus. To propagate uh, Jesus' name and his wisdom, his knowledge, his love, but also to explain the world in which we live so that we can be part of that wonderful world. And we know the Holy Spirit's power is available too, don't we? Uh, On the day of Pentecost, it tells about in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came with power on those disciples, those 120 believers who were in the upper room. They had been praying for 10 days, asking God to send his power. Jesus had promised in John 14, 15, 16, and so on, that he would send his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power, to enliven and empower the early church. And so sure enough, on the day of Pentecost, After 10 days of prayer in the upper room, God's power came in a mighty way, symbolically coming as tongues of fire on each one of those uh, who were there present that day. Examples of God's power, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then the second P stands for the presence of God. We see in uh, Psalms uh, 95, 6 and 7 that I read, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the flock under His care. Here is God's presence uh, with His people. God's presence first came as Adam and Eve literally walked in the presence of God. It says in the Genesis accounts and the creation accounts, how God was able to walk with his people because there was such close fellowship. It was a sinless world, a perfect world, people without sin and in the presence of a sinless and righteous God. God the Creator wanted a relationship with human beings, and that's the reason he came to walk with his people. For many theologians, they think one of the reasons God created was because he wanted a relationship Uh, with someone other than himself. He had a perfect relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he wanted to share that loving relationship, and he did so through creating you and I as human beings who can respond to his presence. God wanted to interact with people, and he has from the very beginning. But something happened, didn't it? And that's called sin. Sinful rebellion. People who didn't want to uh, listen to God direction and purpose. And so they lost that intimate presence with God that was known in the Garden of Eden. They were excluded from that perfect place because of sin, and that sin has created great loss for, for you and I as human beings, but also God missed that relationship. And so he set a plan into place, a plan to Uh, use his power to bring his presence back into the world, back into a relationship with human beings. And the story of the Old Testament is pretty much that, isn't it? How God set a plan in motion, how he brought into uh, the created order certain people with certain abilities and and, uh, leadership skills so that they could 
uh, form a people of God called the children of Israel. And those people would be an example of God's relationship, God's desire to be related to human beings. And so today, uh, we continue uh, to have God working uh, at establishing a relationship with uh, us. But unfortunately, again, in the Old Testament, people refuse God's plan. In Psalms uh, 95, verse 8, it said, Here today, if you hear, hear his voice, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And it goes on to explain some ways in which they hardened their hearts in those days. God doesn't want us to harden our hearts against him. He wants us to be open to a relationship with him. And so the progress of that Old Testament story brings us into the New Testament where Jesus came and Jesus established, gave at least an opportunity for us to establish, to reestablish a relationship with God as Heavenly Father and with Jesus as a brother and sister with us in the Lord. Jesus was God in the flesh dwelling among us. Jesus was here for just a brief season. In Jesus' life and in his death on the cross, and especially in his resurrection, uh, death was swallowed up in victory. And so that rebellion that brought death, that sin that brought death in the grave, was overcome uh, through Jesus' life. Jesus was sent to earth to reconcile us to God. We were estranged, we were a sinful people. But because of Jesus and what he's done for us, we can reestablish that relationship with God's presence. And that relationship is established most basically through the Holy Spirit who comes to live within each of us as we become Christians. And so we don't have to wonder where is God because if we've accepted Jesus, God lives within us in the person of his Holy Spirit. And what a burden is lifted from our life. When we confess our sins, we find Jesus to be faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, as John tells us. And so the question for us, each and every time we come to worship, is the question of what have we done with this offer of a reestablished, a renewed relationship with Jesus? Have we refused that relationship? Have we kept God at arm's length in the person of Jesus? Or have we embraced Jesus' offer of love and forgiveness? Have you accepted his offer of forgiving love? Jesus literally was present in the bodily form, just as all of us are here. But that was only for a short time in that first century era. But fortunately, we learn from the Bible that God's presence didn't end with Jesus. When Jesus was ascended to heaven and his disciples were standing gazing into heaven, uh, they remembered, oh, hey, Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And then that's what the angel says. Go back to Jerusalem and wait, as Jesus said, until the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit of God was sent by God the Creator Father in the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus said in John, that God the Father would send his Spirit in Jesus' name to be present with all who believe. The first continuing presence of God came in that day of Pentecost, as I said. But since that time, each one of us have opportunity to receive God's Holy Spirit when we invite Jesus to become a part of our life. And so as we worship, whether individually at home, reading our Bible, and in our own private devotional times, 
Or when we are in corporate gatherings such as this, we can sense God's presence among us. The Holy Spirit comes with us and comes to us and helps us and gives us wisdom about what we should do individually as one and one person, but also God's Spirit gives us a corporate sense in a way that uh, individually we cannot understand the Holy Spirit. In a way, we get a new dimension of God's Spirit as we're gathered together in groups of people. So Jesus said that. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be with you. So what a promise it is that we don't have to live our Christian life all by ourselves. Uh, We have God's promise of his Holy Spirit, but we have a special power when we're gathered together, worshiping in his name and allowing God's Spirit to come and direct us in our life together. Then the third P of uh, God's overall plan for the world is place. In Genesis, God as the creator, father, made a garden for his people. He made this beautiful garden of Eden, and he, and he allowed Adam and Eve to live there. And we're not sure how long they may have lived in that paradise together with God, walking in the cool of the day and tending to that garden. We don't know how long that lasted. But uh, we uh, know it didn't last too long because of sin. And so, again, God promised to Abraham, one of Adam and Eve's descendants, uh, that he would give him a place, and he would give him a people, Uh, many descendants, as many as the sand by the seashore. And he would make a place for him to his descendants to live. And that place is where we call Palestine today, right? The people of uh, the nation of Israel uh, still live. Some of those same descendants live in that place today. Now, Abraham uh, didn't deserve that place. But The scripture tells us because Abraham was a man of great faith in God's power, a man of great faith that God's presence was dwelling with him, a man of great faith that God wanted to reestablish a relationship with him, so Abraham believed, and it was by faith that Abraham received that promise. And he is the first among many others generation after generation down to our day, who have received that promise of a place uh, through faith. Again, often sinful rebellion and rejection of God bring a dislocation from God's not only his power and his presence, but also from his place. And so just as Adam and Eve were uh, rejected and, and taken out of the garden, so the children of Israel were taken out of their place and taken off into exile many times, in fact, over the centuries. And uh, so God wants us to be in his, the place he has prepared for us, but we have to be willing to come to him on his terms, that is, as Abraham came, and as all of those who came afterwards, through faith in what God can do, and especially now in the New Testament time, through faith in what Jesus has done through his broken body and his shed blood. We have Jesus uh, in the New Testament teaching us also about a place. And Jesus was that place. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Come unto me. I'm the place of God. And I, through my Holy Spirit, want to create a place in your heart uh, for me to dwell. And so a place became not only uh, a physical location on the earth, such as Palestine or the Garden of Eden, But then it also became a place that each of us can receive into our own heart when we have a special 
uh, place in God's heart uh, uh, for him. When Jesus came, he said, come unto me. And another time, over and over again, he would talk about how he would prepare a place uh, for the, his people in the future. And so in Revelation, at the end of the book of the Bible, we read about that beautiful place that God has prepared for us. Uh, Jesus uh, says, I go to prepare a place for you in John chapter 14. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and, and bring you unto myself, that where I am, there you might be also. And so Jesus has gone to prepare that beautiful place for us. And we worship and we celebrate as God's people together in his presence, anticipating that day when we will join him in that special place that place that he is preparing for us. So the best is yet to come as far as place is concerned, and Jesus is preparing that place, and we don't know when for sure. He may come soon and take us to that special place. Irregardless, uh, whether he comes while we're alive or after this body of ours ceases, we know that to be absent from this body is to be present where? With the Lord in his place, wherever that is right now. Uh, great theologians have argued about where that place is, paradise, heaven, wherever it is. But we know that when we're absent from this body, we're present with the Lord. So we have that beautiful promise of a place for him. Then there are all kinds of other peace. You know, if I could, I could do like, uh, I think it was Kelly that used to tease me about having 17 points to my sermons, and he couldn't keep them all down. You know? Well, uh, you know, we could go on and on with this P, this mnemonic device. We could talk about the purpose of God, and we could talk about the promise of God, and we could talk about the programs of God, and we could talk about the plans of God. And, you know, we could go on and on. Probably you guys could think of a few more P's. This mnemonic device could go on and on and on. But uh, there's one, one more. What was that? The peace and patience, there you go. Oh, there you go. He, he's right up here with me. Yeah. <laughs> if you run out of a preacher some morning, just call on Kenny. He'll come up with a, <laughs> he'll, he'll come up with a mnemonic device right there and, and, and give them to you. But there's one more uh, that we want to talk about, and that is that we have to change our, our perspective if we're really going to understand God's power. We have to change our perspective on the world if we're going to understand God's presence in our life. We're going to have to un change our perspective on the world if we're going to understand that there is a place that God is preparing for us. And that change of perspective comes when we recognize who we are in relationship to God. We are sinful people in rebellion against God. And unless we confess our sins and change our relationship with God through that confession and ask Jesus to be our Savior and Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life, then we're not going to be able to avail ourselves of the power of God, the presence of God, that place that God is preparing for us. We receive this perspective when we recognize God as Creator, when we recognize Jesus to be Lord, when we submit to the Holy Spirit who wants to come and help us live our life from day to day. This new perspective is needed by all of us, not just a one-time commitment to Jesus. Certainly that's important. We need to have some point in our life where we've surrendered to Jesus. But then it's also, for those of us who've been Christians forever, it seems, it's a daily thing, isn't it? We come into God's presence each day. And so a good thing somebody told me 
years ago, I don't know how many years ago, they said before your feet hit the floor in the morning out of bed, just wait there for a moment and, uh, and thank the Lord for his presence and invite Jesus' presence into your life. You know, there's an extra benefit for those of us who are over <clears throat> 75 or 65 or 45 or whatever you are. I've noticed if I jump out of bed too fast in the morning, what happens? Whew, I might find myself on the floor, you know. So, you know, that's an extra special thing. Now I do that for more reasons than just talk to the Lord, you know. <laughs> I do that so I don't faint down on the floor whenever I get up. But, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the reason might be, stop and invite the Lord and allow his perspective to invade your life so that you'll have a day with Jesus, a day in his presence, a day anticipating uh, the work of his power in your life, a day looking forward to that new place he's preparing for us. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. Thank you for the gathering of your people here at Greenfield Baptist Church. We pray, Lord, that as uh, we conclude the service today, that your spirit would move among us, that you'd speak to us, helping us to apply these words of Scripture to our own life and to the life of our congregation and our communities around us. For We pray in Christ's name. Amen.